Hi guys, um, before we start this episode, I just wanted to come on here and um, let you know that there will be a few editor's notes uh, inserted throughout the episode, which is not something that I usually do, but I felt that it was important to kind of fact check some information. Um, and also, sorry that this episode is a day late, but it's been a really emotional week um, with the US elections. Um, I'm very happy that Trump is now out of office and this episode comes at you know great time because abortion rights were really threatened under his administration. So yeah, um, I hope you enjoyed this episode and let's get to it. So hi guys, welcome to Feminized and today we have Mara Clark from the Abortion Support Network and we're going to be talking about all things abortion, what Abortion Support Network does and kind of what's happening in the world today a little bit. So hi Mara, welcome and thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Hi Inez, thank you for having me and talking about abortion is basically my favorite thing to do. So. <laughs> Uh, thank you for indulging uh, the abortion nerd in me. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so, could you tell us a little bit about um, what is the Abortion Support Network? Why why did you found it? Um, what it is it? What is it that you guys do? Sure. Um, so, as you can hear, I am not in fact English. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I came to. England in 2005, um, and prior to that, I lived in New York City, and I had volunteered with a group called Haven Coalition, which provided overnight accommodation to women and pregnant people forced to travel to New York City to uh, avail of the fact that the legal limit for abortion in New York at the time was 24 weeks. Um, and I used to provide accommodation in my teeny little studio flat yeah. uh, to women traveling over from like all around the eastern seaboard. Uh, for abortion care and when I moved to England I wanted to see if there was anything similar and I was told oh there used to be a group of Irish women helping Irish women but that's not necessary anymore because of the internet and Ryanair Um, but I was like "Um, 5,000 women a year are giving Irish addresses at clinics in England then we know that there's 500 or 50 or 5 who aren't traveling because of money yeah. And that's a long way of saying that Abortion Support Network is an abortion fund. We provide practical information on the least expensive way to arrange abortion and travel. We provide information on the reputable providers of safe uh, abortion pills sourced online. Um, and we provide money towards the cost. And the reason we do this is because we think I can't afford an abortion should never be the only reason somebody becomes a parent. And I say that as a parent. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's really interesting because I I lived in the UK for two years. I'm now back home in Portugal um, because of the pandemic. And moving to the UK and hearing all of these abortion issues, it was something that never has even crossed my mind because abortion was always kind of available like I could walk into a clinic and ask for it so financial constraints are not something that I found a lot of people here worry about but it is something that really happens in in the UK because just abortion providers are just not first of all they're not everywhere and no actually it's I think you might be confusing the UK 
because um, you are correct that not everywhere has an abortion provider, but abortion is free um, on the National Health Service if yeah. you are a, a resident. And also, Portugal, I believe, only has abortion on request up to 12 weeks. Yes, yes, that is true. Has abortion on request up to 24 weeks. Oh, wow. Oh, I didn't know. Wow, you're educating me. I didn't know that. So, first editor's note, uh, Mara is actually correct. She sent me some information to double check the statement that she had made about uh, abortion in Portugal. Um, abortion in Portugal was kind of legalized um, in 2007, um, but you can only get an abortion until the 10th week of pregnancy. Um, you can get it at the National uh, Health Service. Um, or even private health services, um, but you need to have a three-day reflection period um, So you can't just walk in and get an abortion. You have to actually make a request, but it is um, It is legal until 10 weeks Yeah, so the whole the whole thing about the UK is that you know like even the Republic of Ireland which uh, legalized abortion in May 2018 and started provision on the 2nd of January 2019 they're only providing up to 12 weeks so there are still people from Ireland who have to travel because they need abortions after 12 weeks mm. and um, yeah so that is that is so this is the thing actually there's very few countries that provide abortion on request never on demand because you have to make an appointment first yeah this idea that you can like skip past an abortion clinic and like you know, 10 minutes later be in the stirrups is ridiculous. When's the last time you called your doctor and got an immediate appointment for anything? Never. <laughs> right? <laughs> so all this abortion on demand. And I'm like, yeah, I do wish, but let's be realistic. Um, so the thing is, is that as an abortion fund, we tend to hear from the people who are marginalized or live complicated lives because mm -hmm. otherwise, why would they involve strangers in their personal business? And the people who tend to present later are those people. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure the exact law in Portugal. Um, I don't think I knew you were from Portugal because I'm a horrible researcher. Um, <laughs> That's totally but, fine. <laughs> but in Europe, there's very few countries that allow abortion on request after 12 or 14 weeks. Yeah. Um, and two of those countries are um, England and the Netherlands. So that's why when um, so we we started with um, Ireland, Northern Ireland. Um, and the Isle of Man. And then in February 2019, we opened to Malta and Gibraltar. Uh, and then in December of 2019, we launched the Abortion Without Borders initiative, which is ourselves, Abortion Support Network, but also Treutje um, Vasha in Germany, the Abortion Network of Amsterdam in the Netherlands, uh, the Abortion Dream Team, and Kobieti Vyszeszy, in um, in Poland and um, and Women Help Women, which is an international organization, but it's based in the Netherlands as well. Yes. Um, so we opened that, you know, as a as a partnership because Poland is bigger than all of our other countries put together, and also because you know there were people already doing the work, and we wanted to work together with yes. them. And of course, we opened Abortion Without Borders, and then like three months later, every border shut because of COVID. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually insane. Yeah. But also awesome because people are like, oh my God, it must be so hard with COVID. And we were like, nah. Yeah. It's just one more obstacle, right? Yeah. Like just throw it on the pile. We'll be grand. And we were grand. Yeah. I, that's amazing because I was also reading about the fact that you guys opened Abortion Without Borders. Um, 
And I mean, how important is collaboration? Because you just mentioned all these other people, um, all these other organizations. How much admin do you guys have to do to kind of keep something like this going smoothly? Oh, that's a really interesting question. So, Abortion Support Network started with five volunteers in a bucket of change. Yeah, I can um, imagine. <laughs> like, legitimately a bucket of change. And, um, you know, we had an Excel spreadsheet, we had a mobile phone that we passed from person to person, and we had a checkbook. Like, <laughs> yeah. we, were so, we were so vintage and retro, it was adorable. Um, <laughs> you know, and now we have a shared drive, and our phone is a voiceover IP, so it's an app. So we no longer have to meet each other in person and like hand the, f the phone like a like a baton in a relay race. Um, the the thing with abortion without borders is it it happens so organically yeah. um, because when abortion support network started and and we started uh, we were inspired by abortion funds in the U.S. Um, which is where I cut my teeth on uh, sort of direct action uh, practical support. Yeah. Um, rather than campaigning or advocacy. So when we started, we were the only abortion fund in Europe. And then somebody in Germany approached me and was like, we're thinking of doing this thing. Can you help? And I was like, here's all of our materials. And then a couple of years after that, this group in Amsterdam came and we're like, hey, we're thinking of doing this thing. And I was like, here's all of our materials. So, you know, so we already knew each other. And then we met the women in Poland doing this amazing work um, the Dream Team started just after the Black Monday protests in 2016. Mm -hmm. Kobiati Vishashi has been going since 2006, so they've been in this game longer than any of us. Yeah. They have this um, web platform where uh, where they take they're the only non-biased place to get information about all your pregnancy options in the entire country of Poland. Um, but what was amazing is we kind of were talking about it for about a year. And then we had our first meeting as a group in July of 2019. And then we launched in December. Wow. And it's just been great. So there is some admin, like um, the Kobieti Wyszeszy staffs the Polish helpline yeah. um, in, in Poland. So uh, they take the initial calls and then signpost because giving information in Poland is totally legal but helping someone to have an abortion is not legal yeah. so like you could get an abortion but if your friend drove you to a clinic your friend could get arrested that's insane it is completely insane yeah. it is you know all these people on the streets and I'm like you're only mad now like the, the law was pretty horrific before the 22nd of October but don't get me wrong I'm, I'm thrilled to see what's going on in the streets of Poland um, so yeah so like they, they do the initial intake uh, they upload things onto a onto a database but they don't they don't include contact information um, they give people uh, an AWB number an abortion without borders number and then they tell the client okay you would be best to contact women help women or yeah. you would be best to contact the abortion dream team or you would be best to contact Deutsche Basha or the abortion network Amsterdam or the abortion support network and the thing is the majority of the people who need abortions are under 12 weeks pregnant and can take and can safely take pills uh, from the internet that are the World Health Organization's essential medicines list even if taken outside clinical settings so um, 
we turned on the helpline on the 11th of December. And from the 11th of December until the end of September, we heard from just over 2,500 people wow. to, to the Abortion Without Borders helpline, but only 175 of them needed to travel. Wow. Wow. That's, so those, the, are, that's those numbers are mind-blowing. Yeah. Well, 90, 90% of abortions happen in the first trimester. Yeah. 90%. So... Yeah. Um, that is actually really yeah. interesting on the the, the abortion pill um, uh, aspect of it because we've been seeing, especially now with the pandemic, um, you know how difficult um, it's been to access abortion pills. So how what process do you guys um, go through? Because I was you know d doing research on your website and you're very specific about where to order them and kind of what what the procedure is but how do you go about how did you go about making sure that all of those regulations were okay and that it was coming from like a decent provider and that you weren't you know putting anyone in danger so um the two the two organizations that we signpost to are women help women and women on web Yeah. Uh, Women on Web started as Women on Waves. There was a documentary made about it called Vessel about the boat that used to go around. Yeah. Um, the boat would go around every two years. It was a great PR stunt. Um, uh, and then they turned it into Women on Web, where they would they would post pills, and then um, and then as as these things happen, sometimes uh, a, a number of people sort of siphoned off from Women on Web and started Women Help Women. Um, Yeah. The um, I, I think I just described myself the other day as a member of the international siblinghood of abortion nerds. Amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. No, it's it's a pretty great group to be honest. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we we all know each other. And again, these pills are on the World Health Organization's essential medicines list and let See, me tell you I think that's amazing I did not know that information and I don't think that a lot of people know that information because yeah. you don't you don't hear about it a lot about it being an, on a, the essential list I think that that's incredible well let me tell you if you have time and you can cut this if you want but I think you'll find this fascinating let me tell you where the early medical abortion pill came from I would love to hear that that's amazing Yes, it is a story of sisters doing it for themselves. Yes, that's so once, what we love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, some time ago, there was a man, it's always a man, it's always. and he was, researching, uh, he was researching maternal mortality from unsafe abortion in Latin America. You know, so he was looking at the, the rates, Colombia, sky high, Ecuador, sky high, El Salvador, sky high, Brazil, down low. And he was like, huh, what's going on here? So he happened to be married to a sociologist. So she went to Brazil and she started asking around. And what had happened was one day, a woman was in the chemist in a bit of distress and she saw this ulcer medication and it said, do not take if pregnant may cause miscarriage. Wow. And she thought, I'll have me some of that. And then, so basically the, the, the drug that was in that ulcer medication, and it's a drug which is found in many, 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 many medications, is called misoprostol. Mm -hmm. So basically with no medical supervision or intervention whatsoever, 
They reduced the maternal mortality rate in Brazil by 90%. Wow. So, and this is a story that I was told several years ago, so I might have gotten some of the details wrong. So, if you want to know a little bit more about um, the information that Mara just shared about um, abortion pills in Brazil, um, I'm going to link a study um, that was done uh, in Brazil, actually, um, about abortion pills. I'm going to link it in the description. Um, it speaks a little bit more in depth to the information that Mara just shared. But then what happened was France was like, oh, this is very interesting. How can we monetize this? So they took the misoprostol and then they created a second drug called mifepristone. Unlike misoprostol, which has many, many uses, mifepristone is for one thing and one thing only. And when you put those two drugs together, they're about 99% effective in causing a miscarriage up to 12 weeks or so. Don't quote me on any of these numbers. I just know it's very effective. Misoprostol by itself is less effective, but misoprostol by itself is, again, found in so many drugs, and both Women Help Women and Women on Web can give information about all the brand names that you can get misoprostol under. But yeah, like basically, these pills are so safe. They are, not only are they on the World Health Organization's essential medicines list, they are safer than paracetamol, and my personal favorite, they are safer than Viagra. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, I mean, all they do is cause a miscarriage. Is a miscarriage a walk in the park? No. Do 20% of pregnancies end in miscarriage naturally? Why, yes. That's something they don't tell you until you're pregnant. And then you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Wow. Um... So yeah, if I would recommend going on the womenhelp.org website and having a good look around because they um, they really advocate putting this power in women's hands. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I am not as evangelical about these pills as a lot of people are because, for instance, in an Irish context, they are pretty much only doing pills uh, for abortions. And we... Last, last year alone had 25 women who took the pills and they didn't work. But then because they were over 12 weeks, they had to fly to England at their own expense. Wow. Mm-hmm. Which is shitty. Sorry, can yeah. I say that? Which is, which is, um, you can totally curse. Unfair. You can totally curse. It's totally yeah, yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> For me, that's barely cursing. So yeah. I will, uh, I will, I will keep that, I will keep that in mind. But it's awful. It's like, yes, we will start your abortion, but if we don't finish it, we're going to make you fly to England and pay several hundred euros to do it. That's crazy. That's actually but Yeah, the pills, the pills are magic. They are absolutely, and there's also, there's a group in, um, I think in Argentina, and I'm not going to try and pronounce the name of it, but there's a group that are helping. It's a group of women helping women do abortion with pills much later than 12 weeks. Wow. Which is a very different procedure. Um, It's a different protocol, and also it's just, it's a different procedure. It's basically going into labor. So you have to make sure that um, it's, it's it's just a very different procedure. But as somebody who works for an abortion fund, you know, we're, we're only half joking when we say that we are operating on a better than a coat hanger model. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the thing about these pills is you look in the press, it's like women turning to backstreet abortions. I'm like, with pills that are on the World Health Organization's essential medicines list. Like the coat hanger doesn't actually really exist anymore because these pills are so u- ubiquitous. And a couple years 
maternal mortalities from unsafe abortions worldwide plummeted. And I personally attribute that to the fact that these pills exist. Yes, I, I think that that would be pretty a pretty safe thing to say um, because I, I didn't know the, the story of those pills and I, I certainly didn't know that they were an essential medication. I think that that's fabulous. Um, but yeah, um, I, you are American, right? Yes, and British now. And British now, yes. I mean, both countries are kind of collapsing right now but hopefully hopefully things will turn around (laughs) Um, so how as as an american um the supreme court nomination of amy coney barrett who has had a very anti-abortion stance do, do you worry about the global impact that a woman like that being elected on the supreme court could have Oh, I prefer to think local before I think global. Okay. Um, there's a there's a really good um, news source called The Root, which is... Yes, um, I know them, you know, I love them, it, yes. Yeah. So they had an article the other day, and it was like four things that could happen uh, if Trump is re-elected. One of them is the Supreme Court could make slavery legal. Wow. No word of a lie, right? Like, That's they totally insane. could. Yeah. Um, so I'm not just worried about her. I mean... He's had three judges. Yeah. I'm less worried about her than I was about Brett Kavanaugh. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I think I think it's... A lot of people think that the Trump presidency was the start of all the problems, but actually the Trump presidency was the result of all the problems. And That is I, such an interesting thing, because I, you know, as someone who follows American politics, because I find the drama of it all sometimes very interesting that is something that i don't think a lot of people understand is that trump is the outcome not the cause it's 100% yeah 100% and and also like even on the abortion issue let's let's be honest you know a couple a couple years ago or yeah it was like a couple years ago when alabama was going to vote to make all abortion in alabama illegal and everybody was losing their minds and i was like guys how many abortion clinics do you think are in Alabama mm-hmm. right now? Hazard a guess. Yeah. Three. There are three abortion clinics in Alabama. Wow. In the whole state. In the whole state. Oh, no, there's seven states with one abortion clinic. Wow. One of those, one of those states is Mississippi, and one of those states is North Dakota. Wow. And, you know, so when I lived in New York, and I left in 2005... 89, either 87 or 89 percent of U.S. counties did not have an abortion provider. Now that number is 90 percent. So is it worse? Yes. Has it gotten catastrophically worse? No. It's just now people are more aware of how bad it is. Yeah. That's also Uh, a really interesting point that and, and why I think I really, you know, enjoy following the work of people like you is because I don't think that a lot of people realize how bad things are until they're actually like on the ground and talking to these people who have like who can't afford to have an abortion, which is, you know, such a to me, a crazy concept. I, I think people talk about you know, oh yeah, women's rights and, you know, whatever, but they don't realize how actually 
bad it is. Um, and I, I think that I find that really sad. <laughs> I find that I, really sad. And this is this is the thing. Like I didn't know when I lived in America. I got into this work in 2002 when I read an article in the Village Voice about like women forced to come to New York to um, to access an abortion because uh, let's say you're in Pennsylvania and you're the mother of three. You find out you're pregnant. You don't want another kid. This is another thing most people don't know. The majority of women who have abortions already have at least one child. Wow. So this idea that it's like feckless, irresponsible teenagers—it's actually women with children. Um. So, uh, yeah. So you find out you're pregnant. You don't want to be pregnant. Your doctor says, "Well, that'll be five hundred dollars." So you go away, you try and grab some money together, you come back a month later, he says, oh, great, only now it's $600. And then you go away and you maybe sell your wedding ring or your car, and then you go back and he's like, whoops, you're 16 weeks one day. Pennsylvania only goes to 16 weeks. We used to call it chasing the fee. So yeah. this idea that like you can just get an abortion, you know, especially in a U.S. context where they put all these extra barriers, like you have to be given medical misinformation, you have to wait 72 hours between asking for the abortion and getting the abortion, and like if your closest clinic is, you know, 400 miles away, and you have kids, what are you going to do? You know what you're going to do? You're going to have another baby that you can't take care of. Um... Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that abortion is the solution for poverty. Like, I would love to have universal health care, universal housing, equality in education, and all those things. But even if we had all those things, I would still want free, safe, legal, local, accessible abortion for everybody. Yeah, that, yeah that, that's kind of the goal. Um, are you... The situation in Poland right now, um, mm. it's... It's bad, but also we're seeing a lot of fight back against it, which I always think is like a positive, a positive thing. Um, what? Why do you think that now they've they've done this? Because I maybe I've, I've read it wrong, but they've been kind of back and forth on this one specific amendment that they now um, have put into place. So, do you have any idea of why now is this happening? Um, I really try not to talk about politics in countries that I'm not able to vote in. But my understanding <laughs> yes. from my friends on the ground is that the, the right wing has really gotten its claws in Poland. You know, there are towns that have declared themselves LGBTQ free zones. Wow. And, um, you know, they tried to do this in 2016, and that's when you had the Black Monday protests. And then they tried to do it a couple months ago in the middle of lockdown. Yes. Um, and, and now they've, they've done it. And just a little update. Um, we recorded this episode before Polish government actually turned back on this amendment. So this amendment is not going to be going into place anymore. But there's still a lot of work that needs to be done when it comes to um, providing safe, free, um, legal abortions to women in Poland. It was just such a travesty. I don't speak Polish, but I was watching. I, was, I somehow thought, maybe I'll just, you know, understand. Um, and the thing they kept talking about is the conceived child. But I didn't hear them talk about women 
very yeah. much at all. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, for me, this is beautiful. It's a beautiful thing because four years ago there were protests, but the protests were different. Because now the protests aren't like, how dare you take away abortion for fetal indication? Now the protests are, give us abortion on request right now. Wow. You know, abortion yes. is okay. And because of the work that our partners on the ground have done, um, the abortion dream team and Kobiati Vishashi, like people were literally chanting abortion without borders, except in Polish, which I won't, I won't harm your ears with my Polish. <laughs> um, yeah. But they were chanting abortion without borders and their phone number and, um, and, uh, sorry, I just have a call from the helpline. Um, I will tell her, I will call her back. Um, yeah, so they were like, they're chanting our, our name and our number and they are, um, they are spray painting our phone number on church doors um, and everywhere. And literally now, everybody in all of Poland knows that if they need an abortion, they can contact Abortion Without Borders, which That's is amazing. pretty great. That's amazing. It is amazing. And yeah. the fact that there have been tons and tons and tons and tons of people um, uh, in the streets, like tens of thousands of people calling our Polish helpline, offering to volunteer and to support. And... The fact that the abortion dream team put a crowdfunder out and um i haven't checked it since monday morning but as of monday morning wait is today monday yes what day is today today is monday okay wait <laughs> yeah sorry well basically last week when i checked they raised 1.3 million slotty wow which is um not an inconsequential amount of money yeah um so I am hoping, so in the Republic of Ireland, we had the death of Svita Halpenaber, uh, who was um, a 31-year-old dentist for, or dental hygienist from India. And she and her husband moved to Ireland because they thought it would be a better place to raise children. Um, and then she was not feeling well in her 17th week of pregnancy and went to the hospital. And they're like, you're having a miscarriage sent her home and then she came back in a couple days saying she was really really not feeling well and could they just like expel the fetus um so that she could get on with her life and uh they said sorry love this is a catholic country and she died of septicemia um and that was i mean the thing is is that the movement had already started to build before that in ireland and when i say build i mean rebuild um and, but that, a lot of people see that as the spark uh, that lit the fire. And I'm hoping that the 22nd of October is the spark that lit the fire um, in Poland. I mean, they had an abortion speak out on Friday night in Poland. Wow. Like, in the middle of those tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people in Warsaw. Um, and the protests are not just in the big city. They had tractors, they had farmers on tractors like protesting in favor of women's right to abortion it's i've never seen anything like this and honestly it's giving me so much joy wow that's amazing um what in just to kind of wrap this up in a positive note um what would you like to see change when it comes to abortion law and how we go about 
uh, abortion, abortion talk, the stigma around it. In five years, what would be like your ideal perfect scenario? Um, I mean, some people would say no law at all. But for me, what I'd like to see is abortion should just be part of reproductive health care. So birth control, pap smears, in vitro, prenatal care, abortion, birth. Like, it's all part of the same package. There's not women who are mothers and women who have abortions. Those are very often the same women at different points in their lives. But there's so much secrecy, not just around abortion, but around, you know, the fact I said earlier, they don't tell you until you're pregnant that 20% of pregnancies end in miscarriage. And they tell you, oh, don't tell anybody you're pregnant until 12 weeks. Well, why not? Because if you do have a miscarriage, you're supposed to hide your head in shame. You know, like, how are you supposed to talk about that if you're, you're, you're telling somebody in the same sentence, I was pregnant and I had a miscarriage. So that person doesn't get to go on the journey with you. But no, we're supposed to keep it shamefully secret. You know, don't tell anybody you're pregnant. Don't tell anybody you've had an abortion. Don't tell anybody you're menstruating. (gasps) (laughs) Dirty, dirty, dirty. Like, it's not dirty. It's, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. And we should all be able to talk about these things um, openly. And of course, I want uh, free, safe, legal abortion everywhere. Everywhere for everybody. I think anybody who wants or needs an abortion should be able to get uh, an abortion without having to turn, some, turn somersaults or jump through hoops. 